0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Isaac Carroll. This is What Do I Know? Let me start out by asking you a question. One I've asked myself a few times. Are we safe in our own mind? Now this may seem like an odd question. But um, it's one that has been a, an ongoing recurring theme for me. And Let me explain Why? I'm not sure to the exact date this first happened, but it was a while ago. Uh, And I believe around six months went by before I actually started thinking that I was maybe under attack in my prayer time. I know we speak to God all day long, but during those special times when we get on our knees, those times of prayer when we come before God, um, it's an act of worship. And I believe there, are, I believe we need these times to draw closer to God. And it was one of these times, it was during one of these times, uh, as I closed my eyes to start praying, as I was actually praying and beseeching God in prayer, images started forming in my mind. Just random images. And I thought to myself, why why are these images coming to my head? I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to talk to God. They really don't have a place in my head. They don't have any place in this time of prayer. And I would try to close off my mind to these things. I would try to block anything from coming to mind as I was trying to focus on God. And I was worried in my spirit. I was worried in myself. That these images would become, how would you say it? Worse. Like they would, things would come to mind that would be displeasing to God. And I worried about this and almost on cue because I had the fear in my heart. It's like these worst things started to come to mind. Images that really had no place. In this time of prayer and, and I just broke off from praying and I got off of my knees and I, I just looked at heaven and I said, God, forgive me. It's, I don't know why you have anything to do with me. I'm such a sinful person that I can't even concentrate in this short amount of time and honor you in prayer. I don't understand why you have anything to do with me, but I know that he does. This went on for a while, and it seemed like the very, because I feared it would happen again, it's almost like it happened all the time, every time I'd get on my knees. And and then I started rushing through my prayers, and and when I even prayed at all, this way, you know, I would talk to God, you know, like I normally talk to God, and I started spending less and less time on my knees. I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. So, you know, I started asking God. I started actually praying to God. Um, after after I had tried to, once again, get on my knees and pray and these things would happen, I, I would just call out to God and say, why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I so sinful? Why can't I control my own thoughts? And... uh The one thing that kept coming to my mind Was how much I feared God Now I truly fear God I truly I just have a A fear of offending God Of of, you know People say well Why do you fear God God loves you He takes care of you He he provides for you He's never going to leave you Forsake you You know that God you know who God is. Why would you? Why would you be afraid of God? Uh, it's hard. I guess it's hard to understand, or I guess it's hard to explain. But how do you not fear God? I mean, anybody who's had a father who was, um, you know, it could be a good father, but whenever you would do something wrong, they would they would be strong and, and they would be hard. And you would fear that reprimand. Well, I fear God's reprimand because they come no stronger. And we can read through the Old Testament and we know that God reprimands and his reprimands are hard. So we should fear God. As for our own good. And that's just like we tell children when we spank them. We don't do it because we enjoy it. We do it because it's needed. It's for their own good. It's for our own good. So yeah, I fear God. Greatly fear God. So why then would I ever dishonor him? Especially when I'm going directly to him in prayer. It didn't make sense to me. So I went to God's word. I wanted to see if there was any chance that perhaps I was under attack, that maybe the devil had put thoughts in my head and, and and planted this fear inside of me. And then once the fear was manifested, then it became full blown. And then every time I go to pray, it would, it would come up because I, I feared it to happen. But I've always heard that the devil couldn't he couldn't speak directly in your head. He couldn't he couldn't put thoughts in your head. I mean you were your own person, right? He could hear what you had to say, but he couldn't actually read your mind. I've heard many people say, be careful what you say out loud, because then the devil can use it against you. And and when you hear something like that long enough, you, you tend to start believing it. But was that true? The only way to find out is to go to, go to scripture, right? And seek out the truth. Now I'm going to give you a few scriptures that I've come across and let's see if you come to the same conclusion that I have. Now, as I give these, these are in no particular order, just ones that I found. And we'll start in Acts five, verse three. And Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and withhold some of those proceeds from the land? Now he talks about Satan filling the heart. Matthew 8 and 16. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick. Luke 22 and 3. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. Luke 8 and 30, Jesus didn't ask him, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered into him. Second Corinthians four, verse four. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. First Timothy four and one. Now the spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. 1 John 4 and 1. Beloved, do not be, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Mark 3.11. And whatever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. Luke 11 and 24. What an unclean spirit comes out of a man. It passes through arid places, seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. On its return, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes in and brings seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and dwell there. And the final plight of that man is worse than the first. Ephesians 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I don't know about you, but these are just a few of the many verses in the Bible. And you might say to yourself, well, this is talking about possession. No, I don't, I don't believe all of these were possessions. I mean, look at Ananias. Who Satan had filled his heart to light of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about, to me, we're talking about planting seeds, not uh, giving a thought or, or, you know what I mean? A notion of feeling, fear, doubt, whatever. Um, I don't think possession's always what it means by being Dealing with evil spirits or dealing with uh, deceitful spirits or lying spirits. I believe these things, they, I believe they have the way of afflicting us in some form or fashion. You look at Peter, right? The night that that, that he denied Christ. All right. He had been talking to Jesus and Jesus said, um, that he, Peter would deny him three times before that, before the rooster crowed. Now, the same Peter was the one who was willing to die for Jesus, the same Peter who attacked the, the mob that came to arrest Peter, or came to arrest Jesus, the same Peter. Um, Jesus told him that the devil would sift him, wanted to sift him as wheat. All right? and God was going to allow it, you know, and, and and Jesus was going to pray for him that he wouldn't fall into temptation. And we don't, the Bible doesn't give us an understanding of how the devil sifts us as wheat. He doesn't give us, it doesn't give us an understanding of what the devil is capable of. Now we can read through the Old Testament and we can read through Job and what, what all that happens to Job. And a lot of these things are, are outside influence. And we can say to ourselves, oh, the devil can only affect us on the outside. But then we come across uh Judas devil filled his heart to betray Jesus. Uh, Ananias, the devil filled his heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. How is this possible? It doesn't give us a framework on exactly how this is possible, but we know that the Bible speaks of it, so we know that it's possible. And was it possible that while I was praying, that maybe somehow the devil had filled my mind with the fear of thoughts coming to my head, and that fear grew into the very thing that I, would, I was afraid to happen, and it did happen. Now, we know the devil wishes to, to deceive us, right? How does he deceive the blind and the deaf? I don't know if there's anybody out there who's who's both blind and deaf, but if there are, how does he deceive these people if all he can do is what they can see and what they can hear? I don't know if it makes sense to you, but I hope it does. And that's why I believe one of the greatest battlefields that we face in our life is the one that's in our own hearts and minds. Now, I'm not trying to say that there's no battlefields outside your your mind, because that's where trials and tribulations come from. But I'm saying the best, I feel how we, we face those battles outside. We face those tribulations outside. And we're best prepared for those on how well we face the one that's in our own self, right? How we fight our own nature. Um, I, as Paul writes about suiting up to do battle in Ephesians, right? by putting on the whole armor of God. You no, know, he says this isn't a fight against flesh and blood. And I also believe that's why he says this in Romans 12 too. do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now he also says this in Ephesians 4, 8, verse 14. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now why do you think Paul wanted us to dwell on good things? I believe it's it helps us grow good things in our hearts. How well we face tribulations in our life is our attitude towards, you know, that's already been built there by dwelling on things that are either good or bad. Let's see what Jesus says about what we dwell on in our hearts, right? He says this in Matthew 5, 28. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now he's talking about their heart, what people dwell on. Mark 2, 6, but some of the scribes were sitting there and they were thinking in their hearts. Why does this man speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus knew in his spirit that they were thinking this way within themselves. And he says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Luke twenty four thirty eight. Why are you troubled, Jesus asked, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Now, we can see that we have to be careful of what we allow to arise in our hearts, right? Whether these thoughts are good or bad. believe once the seed is planted, we have a tendency to cultivate those seeds by what we dwell on. We give them room to grow. And as the Bible states, remember when 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 sin is fully grown, it leads to death, right? That's why we got to remember that the devil is a liar, right? He's the father of lies. What makes him so good at it is that he uses a token of truth, right? Mixed with these lies to plant doubt in our hearts or fear. Look what he did to Eve in the garden. He asked her, did God really say that you will surely die? He, he planted this doubt in her heart. You know, we are sinful by nature, right? We battle our own flesh, and the enemy knows this, and he knows our weaknesses, and he will use these to try to defeat us. You now, The Word of God says this in Genesis 4, 6, when God was talking to Cain right before he slew his brother Abel, he says, why are you angry? said the Lord to Cain. And why has your countenance fallen? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you refuse to do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires you, but you must master it. So, basically, sin wants to control you, but you must rule over it. You know, now that I look at it, I don't know that it makes much difference whether or not those images coming to my mind were my own sinfulness, or they were an attack of the devil. My response probably should have been just the same. I should have rebuked myself, brought scriptural truth into my thinking, and moved on. And I believe this is why Jesus gave us the perfect example, as he did in his, in his temptation in the desert for 40 days and nights. How he battled temptation by the devil was by using scriptural truth. He shows us how we fight against this influence of sin in ourselves. And, and I believe that the only way we can adequately, adequately do that is by staying in scripture. Either by reading it or by hearing it in some form or fashion daily. We have to do it daily. Because we don't really get a day off from ourselves, right? We are always in our own minds. So the devil always has a, a fertile ground on which to attack us. I was reading this parable um, in Matthew. Now, I don't believe Jesus truly, I, he didn't express it this way. But to me, looking at it, it, it gives us a, a, a good sense of what I'm trying to explain. And it's in Matthew 13 and 24. And it says this, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. And while everyone was asleep, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he slipped away. Now when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. Now the owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. Now we know that Jesus was the sower, right? He was the landowner who sowed the seed, and the good seed were his people, but Imagine if that seed or that field wasn't earth. Imagine it was our own heart, right? And the seed that Jesus plants is the word inside of us, right? A good seed. And we know this to be true um, by the parable of the sower in Matthew thirteen four. You know, that seed that falls on good ground, the seed that falls on, on rocky ground, it chokes out, makes us unfruitful, or it grows and, and becomes fruitful. We know this seed is the word of God and it's in our hearts, right? Now, this parable state that the enemy also plants, right? He planted weeds among the wheat. Now, this weed could be uh, fear, doubt, envy, lust, hatred, strife. I mean, the list goes on and on, all the bad things, right? And as I was talking to my my Wednesday night class, they were saying there was some actual debate on whether or not these things already exist in our hearts, right? And sometimes they just grow on their own. And we don't need any outside influence to make us sinful. And that's true. And I'm not trying to say that we don't have a tendency towards sin. I believe that's our natural state, but that's like saying that Eve already wanted to eat the fruit of knowledge. Right? She already wanted. it's like you're trying to say that she already wanted to do this and the devil just gave her an excuse. And I I just in my opinion, I just believe that's a bad interpretation of what he did. I don't think Eve was actually thinking about the fruit at all. What even? And what even on her, you know? What even on her thought process until the devil came along and enticed her with it. Uh, it. And it wasn't even the fruit that he enticed her with. It was what the fruit gave her. He enticed her with. He 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 provided her with a thought of something that she didn't even know she wanted. And he painted this picture, made it sound good. And it seemed good to her. What seems good moves us to sin. By desire to have what sounds good, seems good, he plants a seed. And he planted a seed in Eve. Now, when I use seed, people ask me, why do you use seed? Why do you always say seed? Well, the Bible says seed a lot. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is it, it's, it makes such a good, you know, analogy. We know that seeds are planted. We know that they sprout and grow, become something. Like ideas, you know, a thought can turn into an idea, can turn into whatever, whether they're good or bad. So here's a question for you. When these seeds, and like I said, I'm using seeds again. When these seeds sprout in our hearts, how do we cultivate good seeds and not bad seeds? You now in the in the parable the the landowner let the weeds grow among the wheat. But we can't we can't exactly do that in our hearts. We have to we have to address good ideas, we have to address bad ideas immediately. Because to not address them is to let them grow. And when we let them grow, they're gonna amount to something, they're gonna come to something. If we let things grow, linger in our hearts, are going to entice us to do the very thing that we've been letting grow in our hearts. It's just That's just how it is. If you think about something long enough, it becomes an obsession to you. So how do we cultivate good seeds over bad seeds? I believe Paul gives us the answer. The same answer that I gave you earlier, the one in Philippians 4 and 8, that passage where he uh, where he talks about whatever is good, whatever is just, whatever is pure, dwell on these things. Because what we dwell on, whether they're good or bad, provides the ripe soil for those seeds to grow. Oh, naturally, when you, what you were talking earlier, when you dwell on good things, good things, you're more apt to produce good fruit. And when you dwell on bad things, then they're going to lead to sin. And the Bible teaches that when sin is full grown, it leads to death. And what kind of death? Well, for starters, they spiritual death. One that Adam and Eve found out when they were separated between them and God. I also believe this is why in the Old Testament, many times it talks about meditating on the law day and night. Well, why would you do that? Well, by doing so, you, you have a, you have a way of filtering in, filtering through bad ideas and good ideas because the law is ever really present in your mind. You know what is good because the law is there. And when these ideas, these thoughts come into your head, Whether they, whether they're your own ideas or your own sinfulness or they're planted by fear or by the devil or by some other reason, you can filter through those, those feelings, those ideas by the word, by the law. And if they don't, if they don't mesh with the law and they go against the law, then you discard those ideas. You, you, you smother those things. You, you pull those weeds up and you discard those because they don't go in the garden that you're growing. Now I wanted to talk about these things because obviously these are the very things that I wrestle with in myself, things that I ponder uh, because of who I am, because of the things that happened to me. And I figure if I do, there's probably a good chance that some of you do as well. And with any luck, the battles that I face May help you defeat some of the lies the devil's told you. You know, it's funny. When I first started this podcast, I was for sure that God just wanted me to speak his truth, to speak his word plainly so people could understand, you know, and be moved by his word because I have such a desire for his word that I just, I thought that's what he wanted me to do. But it seems that God wants me to share His Word through my experiences, my own personal battles. You know, to God be the glory, because it's not how I would have chosen to do it. But honestly, I can only say and give you what is laid on my heart to say, and this has been laid on my heart, so I wanted to talk about it. And I pray, and I always pray that it does God's Word, the work He intended it for, for it to do. You know, I really appreciate. All you who take the time to listen, you know, you take this time with me. I pray God's blessings on you. He keeps you and he reminds you. And he helps you. Let me end with this. Close to the end of Paul's life. He says this to Timothy in Second Timothy 4, chapter or verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but all who crave his appearing. I want to tell you that we are in for the fight of our life. And the battles we face are almost never the battles we think we're going to face. So remember, Keep fighting. Keep the faith. Finish this race. And this isn't a sprint. We need endurance. And remember, quitting isn't an option either. But don't worry. No matter how hard it gets, God will give you the strength and he'll keep you from falling. Thanks again for listening. This is Isaac Carroll. Goodbye.